Hello, sister. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Just looking at the sunshine. It's bright and sunny and beautiful, but it's freezing cold in Oregon this week. Yeah. Uh, Well, yeah, we have much the same here. It's colder than usual. I bet my cold is colder than your cold. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I, 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 I am sure that it is. So... You know, I work with people who live in the Midwest and hitting, getting the, you know, the cold blast right now. So, you know, yeah. they don't, they don't like me li- listening to me complain about the cold. Like, you know, you know, it's yeah, it's also relative to just where you're at and what you're used to, right? So, yeah, yeah. Anyways, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good, um, but. Uh, We've got kind of a heavy topic to talk about today, though, so... Yeah, I mean, but everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about Ukraine and Russia. Yeah. And I, I you know, everywhere I go, that's every, on everybody's mind, which is curious to me, just because, um, you know, it, it's... We're not directly involved in it in a formal capacity yet. We're more, you know, America's more or less in a... Uh, support capacity. I mean, obviously, we're issuing a lot of threats and and ultimatums and things like that. Um, but it's curious to me because you know I feel like there most people don't pay much attention to Russia and they certainly don't know a lot about Ukraine. Um, you know, people focus on China and other other places. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole history there that a lot of people aren't familiar with, but you have a little bit of a different perspective, some personal experience, right? Yes, I do. So, uh, you know, if I want to go back in history, I spent three years of my college life uh, doing a lot of study of Russia, um, speak, you know, learning the Russian language, uh, studying Russian history, studying Russian literature. Uh, and then I had the opportunity to go and spend uh, a summer over there. I, w- I spent time in Russia, but mostly in Kazakhstan, one of the former Soviet republics. Uh, so that- yeah, because you were there after the Berlin Wall came down, but just within a couple of years of that, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, I think we we were there three years later, four years later. At, well, after the fall of the Soviet Union, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Did no. I did I call the wrong event? Well, I mean, the, the, they they are. It's all kind of mixed together, you know. Connected. Yeah, and then uh, years later, um, we had a foreign exchange student, um, Galina, came to us from Ukraine and spent an entire school year with us, and so that was great to get to know her and learn more about Ukraine and. Some of the right, and I remember meeting Galena. She was she's beautiful, by the way, but mm-hmm. she had very uh, many other qualities. Um, but I, that's when I learned that it's not the Ukraine; it's <laughs> Ukraine. Yeah, it's it's Ukraine, not the Ukraine. And instead of we always, you know, pronounce it Kiev, the mm-hmm. capital of Ukraine, or we had for many many years. And now, if you if you listen to the news reporters, they all use the correct pronunciation. Kiev. So that's how Ukrainians pronounce it. And apparently we have finally caught caught on. 
as a society. Well, we like our vowels. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and then after Galena, we had, uh, just for the summer, we had a, a second exchange student, Olya, from Belarus, which is uh, just above A neighboring Ukraine. country, yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, and I, in fact, I sent Galena a message through Instagram last night. She's been posting on her Instagram stories, just kind of highlighting events that are going on. Her family lives in Kiev, and um, and so I just reached out to her to see how she was doing, if everybody was safe, what, you know, what was going on. And uh, her English has degraded somewhat over the years since she's probably not used it as much. But uh, she texts back that they were okay. Uh, they were hiding in a parking garage. Uh, they mm-hmm. left for a few minutes. She didn't say why. I imagine maybe just to scout things out or go get food or who knows what. But she said they were heading back to the parking garage and that she would update me later. So Kiev is the capital, and that's that's where all of the Russian forces are kind of heading now. So, yeah, and like if I remember correctly, and things could have changed because this was with like eleven years ago. I mean, I remember my daughter was a baby when she was here, so like ten years ago, right? Does that uh, sound right? Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. But her family was well to do. I mean, they, you're you're not a poor foreign exchange student you cut you're a part of this because you have your family has means to to do that right yeah and so to hear that i mean i'm making a big assumption that her family is still doing what they're doing or or whatever but to hear that the safest place for them is a parking garage like did they live in the middle of the city or something or um well they lived in a high-rise building um yeah, in in key. Oh, a high rise. Okay, yeah. so then yeah, they just need to. Yeah, so like again, it was short, and I I don't know exactly where. And you know, as Galena grew up, she traveled more and spent time in Europe and and different places. So I was a little bit surprised that she was in Kiev, but um, you know, with all that was going on, maybe she felt it was you know time to be close to family. Her mother has family in Poland, so. I imagine that would be an an opportunity if they could leave, they might go to Poland. Um, but at the same time, once they leave, if the so if the Russians take over, you know, would they be able to get back? So I'm sure that's a concern too. Oh, uh, like and and therefore, like surrender everything that you left behind. Yeah, yeah. and I I don't I don't imagine that. You know, Russia wants to come in and change everybody's life. I think they just want to topple the government and install somebody who's uh, friendly to them and probably a little bit more resistant to Western influences and essentially yeah. let life go on. Though they do have a, you know, they there is a, 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 a fairly significant divide culturally in Ukraine, as I understand it, you know, the native Ukrainians and, and then Russians who, you know, over the decades had moved in, you know, that live right. in the East. So there's a real mixture. I, um, you know, probably TikTok should not be my source for learning history, but I did 
come across a TikToker. I think her name is anti-social studies. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, she gave like a four-part history of Ukraine from the 10 hundreds to today. And I mean, it, whatever. I It was informative for me. I, you know, got yeah. it. She's not a vetted source by any means, but like just hearing, because they've had... And when they were part of the Soviet Union, if I understand it correctly, I mean, they did have uh, installed leadership from the from Russia or the Russian influence of the greater Russian influence of the Soviet Union. Yeah. So they've had that in the past. Um, you know, my I'm not a news junkie like you are. So just I'm going to ask some questions or say some things and you absolutely need to correct me if i'm wrong or off base because i do not pay attention like you do but here are my impressions so vlad is a crazy guy (laughs) um i'm just shorting vladimir yes does he have a nickname what's that does he have a nickname i'm just calling him vlad uh yeah that's fine um so i think he's a crazy guy and He's probably made a lot of threats in the past, but like at what point, why did nobody, it just seemed like nobody was taking him seriously enough this time. Like it, like things actually had to happen before it appears to my, you know, again, I'm confessing my lack of informed whatever, but before anybody did anything. So like sanctions, like, isn't sanctions supposed to be leveraged before anything happens, like to prevent things from happening? Because sanctions after the fact don't seem to be, you know, I mean, they'll still affect him, but I don't know. Yeah. I, well, that's my fir- that's my first statement. Tell me where I'm at there. OK, well, let, let me take a, a slight step back. Um, I have a, a couple things uh, to say here. One uh, Putin, based on my understanding, history and otherwise, uh, yeah, we think of him as a little bit crazy. But you know, I, you know, in terms of Russian leaders, I, I don't necessarily think he is. I think he's he's easy to understand. Uh, and you know, here in the West, um, we, you know, we understand that. Uh, maybe China thinks and acts differently than we would, you know, and it's e- that's an easy distinction for us to make. They look different. They speak different. We accept it. Yeah, we accept we, it. We want him to think more like us and he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, he's and I mean, I, I, I don't mean to break it down this way, but we look on the TV screen. He looks like a Caucasian guy. Like, what don't you get? I mean, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of, you know. Uh, all these things, property rights, and you know, we think he would have a very natural Western perspective on the world. And much of you know, Eastern European countries that all of these concepts are, I mean, they're not foreign to them, but they're not natural. They didn't, you know, they are very Western concepts, and it's not something mm. that uh, they accept uh, right away. You know, freedom of speech, we think that's a given. That's right. not necessarily a given to them. Uh, right. Democratically elected leaders, not necessarily a given. I mean, they don't, you know, there, there are other cultures, other belief systems in the world that 
you know, they have real problems with Western society. And they only have to point to our problems to say, see, it doesn't work out so well. So mm-hmm. that that's one thing to try and put him in a Western ideological box and try and figure out why and what he's doing that, that you know, you really can't do that. They don't think the same way. Um, and then uh, second, I was listening to um, a professor, a political science professor on YouTube uh, who six years ago in a lecture predicted this very thing. You know, he predicted that, uh, you know, the West, uh, especially Democratic, and when I say Democratic, I mean actual Democratic Party leaders uh, have a 21st century mentality, but they are dealing with, uh, in Putin, somebody who has a 19th century mentality, you know, a, mm. a very very different mentality that we, we right. th- that we tend to think that well you know we'll we'll put the um we'll squeeze you on the economics and that will make you back off you know there is you know pride there is ego there is you know there's a, a strong determination um that goes beyond just the economics of things and so um we, you know, uh, strength recognizes strength. Strength doesn't Do you, necessarily yeah. recognize some of these more diplomatic solutions. Um. Yeah, I was when you're saying this, I'm thinking about even other leaders of Russia, Stalin or whatever, thinking about how they used people as exp- you know they're expendable. Mm-hmm. Um, during the different wars and everything. I mean, and like, that's kind of the nature of war, you know, uh, like soldiers are going to die. Like people yeah. are, we know that, but do you, but like, do you think that's like an attitude and a change when you're talking about 19th century thinker versus 21st century thinker? Like we would, we would say, you know, we would never just carelessly send Americans to go die. I mean, it's, no, oh, and I, and I, I don't feel like I'm saying that right. Like, do, does he value the people or does he value like the nation more than the people who make up the nation or, or his? Yeah, you know? I mean, that you know, they talk about Mother Russia. You know, that's almost a, you know, a euphemism that we use a lot here in, in, in uh, the United States and in Western culture. But they, um, yeah, they have a little bit of a different take on um, service to the country. Uh, than we do. I, and I think, you know, he is looking toward the long-term uh, uh, growth potential for Russia. Russia is not in a in a great place right now. And, you know, as this century progresses, you know, there's a good chance it will continue to decline as China emerges as m- maybe the dominant power. You know, that mm-hmm. remains to be seen. Um but uh you know it you know for him you know it really is a game of uh, of chess and you know he wants to make sure the pieces are lined up in his favor and he's willing to put lives at risk to make sure that happens because you know a decade from now two decades from now they could be real in a real bind if he allows things to be arranged in a way that puts russia at a disadvantage you know and part of 
you know, I, part of me, you know, I, what's going on there is tragic, and I, I think it could have been could have been avoided. And people are very angry about it, and I understand that. But the here's the thing: I, part of me doesn't. Part of me understands. I don't want to say I don't blame them, but part of me understands if China were to call up Mexico and Canada and say, hey, let's all get together in a, in a special little club where we're going to protect each other. And oh, by the way, do you mind if I line up a bunch of our tanks on your border right across from the United States? You know, we would have an absolute fit. I mean, we would go to war over that. We would not allow that to happen. And that's yeah. essentially what Putin has been saying for years. They do not want a NATO uh, you know, they want, want Ukraine in, as part of NATO because that's how they feel. They already have Estonia and Latvia, which are NATO com countries uh, on their border. They don't want Ukraine, which is a huge country on their border, a huge you know, strategic asset for them. It's not a strategic asset for us, at least right, not right now. Yeah. But what does what do the people of Ukraine want? Like you know, if they wanted to be absorbed into Russia or, you know, be back there, then I think that we would know that we would see that. But if they do not want to be under his control, then I feel like why why are we hesitating? Because I and maybe this is my Western, you know, American out of touch. But I feel like if we don't help them, then they don't have a chance. If we don't, don't go intervene, and I don't mean just sending aid and sending money, like I'm talking boots on the ground, they don't have a chance. And if that's what they want, you know, I mean, I, I don't think we should force our agenda, but if they want to be, you know, a democratic nation or if they want to be free from Russian control, then. Well, they are, but they're a country divided. So, you know, the eastern part of uh, Ukraine, you know, Crimea, was taken over by Russia, um, you know, six, seven years ago because... Yes, the TikTok lady told me that. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> they're, you know, during the elections, if you look at who's voting for who, you know, red and blue, if red is voting for, you know, Zelensky, who's the, you know, current president... You know, that's it's on one side of the country and the other side of the country is blue. It'd be, it would be like America that, you know, everybody, everybody west of the Mississippi voted for Trump and everybody east of the Mississippi voted for Biden. It, 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 yeah. It's that distinct. So, you know, and, and people in Western Ukraine speak Ukrainian. People in Eastern Ukraine primarily like speak Russian. Ukraine. So and, you know, yeah. quite a few obviously speak both. But um yeah, I mean, I I I think it's it's the fall of Ukraine and a, and a new um, government there is probably inevitable, and you know if you know I, I I don't know that we we have enough strategic interest to fight back over that. I don't think there's boots on the ground. Uh, there, you know, it's it's not it's not worth it, at least not at this point. Not worth it because of what it will cost us and and what we will have to sacrifice in order to do it. But that's not the question of is it worth it? Like the moral question or the ethical question is probably what, what I'm operating well, on. Well, I, I, I guess 
it, you know, if this were, you know, I don't know that there is a, a, a moral question here. Obviously, you know, obviously war itself is a big moral question. But if you, uh, Russia moves in and they install a, a leader who's pro-Russia but doesn't really change the lives of everyday Ukrainians, just like go about your business. We're just we're just going to be friendly to Russia and not America. You know, I don't know that there's a, a moral question that America has to answer in that equation because, you know, if it were, you know, a you know Nazi regime being installed and they say we want to eliminate all Jews, okay, there's a more a clear moral question to be answered. Okay. So. Um, I mean, this wasn't the case in the 80s, but we were kids who grew up in the 80s. Can you imagine? Like, I feel like the uh, the response of our country would be completely different. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot more aggressive. Yeah, because I mean, it, it is the it was the Cold War still. I mean, you know. We, well, I mean, even just take that out. Just, I mean, well, still, yeah, the the enmity between Russia and America or whatever, you know, and if it was like they were trying to absorb them into the Soviet Union. I just feel like we would have, yeah. but maybe not. I don't know. Well, I mean, they were a part of the Soviet Union at that. No, point. I know that I know that they were, but I'm oh. like saying, let's pretend like we're back in the eighties and yeah. <laughs> Ukraine is not part of Russia or part of the Soviet Union. And then they did this. How would, you know, Reagan and Bush, you know, what their, their response would have been yeah but. no i mean it, yeah it would have been very alarming and how how it would have been handled i i am not really sure and there's people running around now saying oh my gosh you know we're on the verge of world war three i i i i have that has never crossed my mind as a serious possibility just because mm-hmm. one there's no um clear moral question to be answered and two there's no strategic reason i mean we were we were not in a hurry to try and admit ukraine to into nato before and you know at this point it you know it's clear we uh, we still have that mutually assured destruction scenario don't we yeah we we very much do and so so, i mean I'll tell you this. It was funny. It was so cold, but we haven't had any moisture here, which is rare. But um, so but yesterday morning, though, there was a little bit. And so we had this little like icy snow coming down. And my 18 year old, who's a male, who's paying attention to this stuff, who probably in the back of his mind is thinking, if there's a war, I'm 18. I'm a boy, you know, putting he's putting all that together. He goes, I was just, he had to go outside. He's like, I just wanted to make sure it wasn't nuclear ash. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it's just snow. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't. I'm, I'm laughing at all the most inappropriate things these days. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. But... Well, that's um, just the way it goes. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I obviously I'm worried about Glena and her family and any, but any innocence over right. there. Um, but, you know, I, I just feel like the approach to international affairs is, you know, it's, it's very Pollyanna on Mm. Americans, 
you know, side because, you know, we, we deal with people who come from a totally different mindset. And I feel like, you know, there are, you know, these appeals to these, um, more of a politically correct world. I think they, you know, they nod their head in agreement and everything, but then they go home and laugh at us because they, you know, they see, they see that the tail is wagging the dog in America in so many ways. And they just think, yeah, we don't want any part of that. I, I, I also think that political affairs are just, you know, on a, on a global basis, it's just so nuanced and it, it didn't seem that way when I was younger and probably it was maybe that's just the ignorance is bliss aspect of growing up, mm-hmm. but things just seemed a lot more black and white. And I feel like I just seem feel like the world, there's just so much more gray, you know, what's the right thing? Like, sh- should we be forcing our culture and agenda on the entire world? You know, do, do sovereign nations have the right to kind of choose to be different and, you know, mm-hmm. Kind of the answer is yeah, if that's what they, if that's what they choose, but yeah. you know we got to stand up for the oppressed and you know I don't all of those things. It's just it's a lot more um, yeah. gray and nuanced. So yeah, yeah it, it's messy. It is just very very messy. And then the fact that we're just that the politicians are the ones making decisions, like just in general, I don't trust them. (laughs) You know, they're always just looking at it for what's going to benefit them. Right. That's my impression. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, um, you know, there, our leadership turns over, you know, Putin's has, has dealt with how many of our American presidents. Yeah. He's been (laughs) around for a long time. Yeah. So, I mean, he's just like, well, okay, I don't like this one. I'll wait him out and then I'll have to deal with the next one. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, the priorities change and the personalities change and the responses change. And it's, you know, and I'm not suggesting we install a leader who's just always there, but, uh, you know, Earlier in American history, we used to have uh, different doctrines that were laid down, you know, and, mm. and people are talking about the Monroe Doctrine. The Monroe Doctrine uh, states that, you know, we, America is not going to allow any other foreign military power to establish, you know, a presence in the Western Hemisphere. So when the Soviet Union tried to set up in Cuba, that was a violation of, of the Monroe Doctrine, and that's why we you know, practically went to war over it. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I know there are, you know, some lesser doctrines that have been uh, imposed in, in recent years and everything, but we need a, a bigger effort in that way that kind of guides future leaders so that when issues like this come up, they can say, well, you know, we've decided on this kind of doctrine. And when it comes to this, you know, we're not going to cross this line or we will cross that line, you know, that there's more of a definitive yeah. uh, approach to things. And maybe well, that's not need, smart to You need to announce. call whoever it is that you can call and you need to tell them that. Okay. But somebody needs to start working on the doctrine. Okay. <laughs> I got it. I'm on it. Do you think it could be the stoner doctrine? (laughs) I mean. (laughs) Chill out, man. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's the subtitle. (laughs) Uh, 
I... Uh, another thing you said that I was thinking about too, um, and it even relates to you saying, you know, the Monroe Doctrine about countries not setting up in the in our in our space, right? Yeah. Um, we are so fortunate. So many nations, like all of Europe, you know, all I mean, so many people know what it is to have your enemies on your land right like in your space yeah and we there have been since our and i guess the civil war or somebody can correct me but you know like for the most part we don't know we americans have no idea what it is to live in occupation to be occupied to have battles going on you know around you and we have our domestic issues gangs and all of that but like and that that but that is really you know, centralized and in certain areas and, and, you know, not what I want for people, but, but we have no idea, like on this kind of scale, what that is, Yeah, what that feels I mean, like. If, if you were to look at the countries of the world as a big family, and let's just, let's just boil it down to 12. Let's just say there are 12, 12 siblings. America would be the youngest sibling, would be the most popular, the richest, the one who thought they had all the answers to everything and spent all of its time bossing everybody else around. So you can imagine, you know, if if all these other countries were older siblings, you know, the the level of resentment and disdain they would have. <laughs> it's he, like Joseph in the Bible, man. Yeah. He wasn't the exact youngest, but his brothers had had enough of him. Yeah. And put him in his place and beyond. So there had to, you know, he, he was uh he was humbled. <laughs> so hopefully America doesn't have to go through a humbling season like that, but. Right. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm, so I, I'm here to bring a little fluff to our time. Okay. Because this has been heavy. And of course, if you have more to say, say it. But I just started a documentary that was recently released on Netflix called The Great Hack. And it's about Cambridge and a Analytica, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, very so far, very interesting, very interesting, and disheartening. And it made me immediately want to delete Facebook <laughs> and just stop using it. Except for like now, it's it's my version of a scrapbook. You know, in the '90s, every mom, if you're a good mom, you started scrapbooking, and that is not my thing. So I did not pick that up. Yeah. So Facebook has become my digital scrapbook, and so that's why I don't want to get rid of it. Even though I even don't even post a lot, but those important memories and those things. Well, so. okay. So I'm an, I'm going to assign myself homework. Oh, good. And we and we will uh, set this as our main topic for next week. Because this is the industry that I work in. I work in marketing and advertising, and I look at these types of analytics and people behaviors and stuff like that all day, every day. Uh, you know, and I I use a lot of those Justin, tools. What? I'm afraid we're going to become enemies now. <laughs> no, I mean, let, so again, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. Yeah. And I'm going to compare it to what I know and what I do and how it may be the right, same or different. Right, it's definitely, 
you know, one perspective with an agenda so far, you know, yeah. what I'm watching. So, uh, yeah, so we can have a, a more in-depth uh, look at it. And, you know, I'm not going to draw any conclusions or anything like that right now, but... Um, Part of me, well, well yeah, I'll, I'll save just a few observations I had for t- for next week. So, okay. yeah, so, sounds good. All right, we got it lined up for next week. All right, so now everybody should just be itching to hear. <laughs> and if, if our listeners will watch it, then they'll have their own thoughts. And we'd love to hear if they have any questions or comments. They can send it to our email. They can email us at stonersiblingspodcast at gmail.com. All right. I hope to see uh, a bunch of questions in there. Or even one would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Don't jinx us. Okay. Sorry. Well, this All has right. been a good discussion. I um, we'll see how things uh, shake out over the next few days. I'm praying for yeah, the I'm people praying. in Ukraine I'm, you know, and Russia. I, so. I actually know somebody over there, Galena, yeah. so I'm praying for her and her family. Very good. Okay, well, and ne- until next time. Yep, we'll see you. Stoners right. out. Stoners out. <laughs>